Hip Hop Hustle Podcast, man. You heard it here first. He's not playing. No, Aaron's not playing. No fucking game. You got your ear to the streets, man. Much love to all the people down under. And make sure y'all follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast, man, because they're giving y'all nothing but the real shit. But yeah, man, appreciate the intro, bro. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's kick it off. Shout out to the whole Hip Hop Hustle podcast. What's up with it? Welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. Today is a bit of a different one. I haven't done one of these in a while. Um, and I've never done one by myself, but uh, we're going to do an album review. So it's been everywhere, um, and I thought I might throw my hat in the ring, but we're going to review Kendrick Lamar's most recent album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. It's a bit of a long one. It's obviously 18 tracks, but um, just to give you some some context, we are going to do the full thing. So you'll see in the show notes the actual uh, points of every song. So if you want to jump to each track, uh, you can do that as well. Um, but before we get started, I thought this one would be a good one. Obviously, it's been extremely hyped and I haven't done one of these in a while. I thought this was a great way to jump back in. And I've, as I said, I've never done one by myself like this. So um, I've been really careful to stay away from reviews and people's comments and stuff like that, just so that I can give you my unfiltered opinion. And in regards to this album, I have a couple of different thoughts um, throughout, so you'll definitely get to see those. Um, but I listened to this album once with my friend Danny, who was part of the show at the very beginning when it was called The Slim Fitty and Biggie Committee. Um, we listened to it in the car. I had an opinion then. Um, I've then listened to it, you know, I think it's three more times since then, um, using some lyrics and and finding some things and um, you'll definitely get to see the 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 difference in terms of where I started versus where I'm at right now um, and also just as some background you know I think that Kendrick in general and I think I've said this before on the podcast is probably the most skilled rapper right now in terms of this current generation if he really goes for it I find it hard to think of anyone else who can really like match him head to head um but i will also say that my favorite album of his has been good kid mad city so it's been a little bit a little bit of a while since i've been super like in love with a project i know everybody loved damn and to pimp a butterfly um and all those projects but good kid mad city was my personal favorite and funnily enough i saw him live do it and at the time, I actually didn't appreciate Kendrick. Um, it was at the Eminem show. He opened J. Cole and Emin- and uh, Kendrick opened for Eminem. And I just remember just looking forward to Eminem. So I didn't get to appreciate it as much as I do now. So going back, I wish I had appreciated it a little bit more. But, you know, maybe the same thing will be about this album. But I don't want to re- reveal too much. So we're just going to get into it. And obviously, this is a double album so two discs um so there's a first and a second half to it um and it's interesting uh before the release of the album you know people are thinking is this going to be Kendrick's last um I personally don't think it's going to be Kendrick's last um it's obviously going to be his last with TDE um and he's been with there with them for like I think 17 years or something like that top dog entertainment and I think you know his quotes and he's been Room and he's said in the press like he's um he's ready for a new vessel for his new journey and that 
there's beauty in completion and always faith in the unknown. Um, and I think this is more about him just really freeing himself rather than just like he's he's done with music. So I think we'll see something in the future. How long that will take, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, let's get into it. Let's start with track one of disc one, and it's called United in Grief. Um, and you know, produced by Kendrick and others, BGK, Soundwave, who we'll see, who we'll see throughout, um, as well as Duval, uh, Timothy, Beach Noise, all those people were part of this. Um, so we'll see a lot of re- reoccurring producers throughout this. Obviously, Kendrick as well um, is listed in a couple of the tracks. But let's start with uh, United in Grief. Um, and to start, I actually didn't realize it had been 1,855 days since this and damn. So that is such a long way. Like I knew it had been a long time, but I didn't know it was that long. And then when he said it, I was like, oh, shit, that is such a long time. So um, I don't know how he was that patient or or what was going on, but I guess he's going to touch on it in this album. Um, and I will say the very beginning of this track, it has like this really nice vocal, which sets such a lovely tone and it builds into what feels like, you know, a nice beat, which you see he does quite a lot. Like he does a fake out and then he gets a different beat. So we'll see the fake out come back uh, throughout the album um, and we get the the beginning of the steppers. We get the steps and like the tap dancing uh, to the piano, which and it just builds and it feels like there's going to be a, a strong drop, but then there's not. It turns into a jazzy type beat. Like it just felt like there was something missing. Like I've just felt like there was going to be this huge kind of, it comes down and then it never happened. I still like the jazzy beat, don't get me wrong, but like it felt like we were missing something when it came to that. And here's where my critique of this song really comes in. I wasn't a fan of the double bass drums. The piano goes, the drums kick in, and I don't know. There's just something not 100% right about this. There's just like, it's not my personal favourite sound. Like, I like heavy drums, um, but this was just so quick. And then he goes hard, but then we go back to the refrain And it's just way better with the build. So I think, you know, there's this like build, 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 build. And then we get to the middle of verse two. And then we kind of tend to, well, I personally kind of like it a bit more. So there's this building element to this track. But, you know, I still think it loses a little bit at the beginning with the the double drums. And I'm not going to lie. This track does grow on me. So when I first heard it, I was pretty disappointed. But the more I listen, the more I appreciate it. So is it going to be my favorite track? It's not. But it's still pretty good. And in terms of lyrics, there's still a lot here. Um, and in a way, it sets out the album in terms of a content standpoint, which I like in terms of a construction piece. Um, And it reflects his emotional state. Like it made me feel, unfortunately though, that I'm not going to get any bangers. That's that's what it said. That's what the feeling was, is like this song is just setting you to go on an emotional journey, which we do, but it made me worried at the beginning. 
am I going to get any bangers? Maybe, maybe not. It didn't feel like it. But I will say whenever an artist goes through introspection, I am a fan of it. I just like it. It shows more about them and it shows the the things that they're going through outside of their public persona. And when he says, the world that I'm in is a cul-de-sac, the world that we're in is just menacing, the demons portrayed as religionists, I wake up in the morning, another appointment, I hope the psychologist listening. And I think in this, he's talking about the meaningless or the meaninglessness of his life and the fears that when he's actually asking for help, he's not being listened to, i.e., hence the the psychologist. So I think we see the demon uh, and his demons reoccur as a theme throughout this. Um, and then we also see that he feels lost and alone and feels trapped, hence the cul-de-sac as a, as a road, a, one, a dead-end road. So I think this sets up really nicely the fact that he's going to talk about these things and he's going to um, explore these these feelings and emotions. And then he also says, and um, he goes, phone off the ringer, tell the world I'm busy. Fair enough, green eyes, said her mother didn't care enough. Sympathize when her daddy in the chain gang, her first brother got killed. He was 21. I was nine when they put Lamont in the grave. Heartbroken when Estelle didn't say goodbye. Chad left his body after we FaceTimed. Green Eye said you'd be okay. First tour, sex the pain away. And this also, I think, forebodes his sex addiction, which he refers to throughout the album. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because oh, I've, I've read that Green Eyes is supposed to detail a, a person or a woman that he doesn't care about. But I actually don't think that's the case. And the reason I don't think that's the case is because obviously he's not going to say a random person's name in an album. I don't think it's classy. I don't think it works. And I think the the idea of Green Eyes actually works better. It's got really nice imagery to it. Um, but the fact that he re- remembers her story so specifically makes me think he still remembers her name in a way that this resonated with him, you know, that her story was so similar to his that it's not something they could ignore. They were both feeling the same pain. And although they use sex to take the pain away, literally, he still cared enough to connect, enough to remember. And I think they both shared that. Maybe it was fleeting, maybe it was a short moment, but I still think that he cared enough and it shows for the audience that this could be anyone. This could be you. You could have a green eyes out there that this couldn't. This may not be just a singular moment in his life, but it may be a moment for all of us that maybe we have also met a green eyes that clicks with us and that we use sex or use something else to take the pain away. I think it, it works. I think this, this was really nice. Also worth noting as a context piece, just like, uh, Kendrick in this pays respect to his late friend, uh, Chad Keaton, who was murdered during a drive-by shooting in 2013. Um, and it actually occurred during Kendrick's Good Kid Mad City tour while he was in, in Europe, I believe. Um, so that's just uh, an interesting piece as a side note. Overall, though, I think this was pretty good. Um, it was decent. 
Um, when I say pretty good, I meant decent. Um, it's not perfect, but it was real to himself and real to what he's doing. Um, and just as a side note, though, I didn't think the, the the hook was particularly catchy or the chorus wasn't particularly catchy. Um, and the beat did let me down at times, like I said, the, the drums. And at first, I really didn't like it. I think I gave it like two and a half stars in my own mind. Um, but I've given this three and a half stars. It is pretty catchy. It does get to you. It does start to warm on you, especially when you understand and, and when you really focus on the lyrics. Um, and I can potentially see this going to four stars. At the moment, it's going to be three and a half, though. United in grief. There you go. All right. Track two, N95. It's funny. When I was first listening to N95, I didn't realize it was referring to N95 masks, the COVID mask. Me and uh, Danny, we were going, what is it referring to? Is it, is it a road? Is it? And now we realize, or now I realize I'm pretty stupid in the context of what the world has been going to going through. Um, interesting in terms of who gets credits on this for producing. Um, Baby Keem is on there, uh, Kendrick's cousin, who we see feature later in the album as well, and Soundwave is back on this. Um, and just as a side note, generally speaking, I'm not a fan of COVID raps. It's been too much, personally. We've gone through it for long enough. Um, rappers have already rapped about it. So I've been down this road and in my mind personally, it's a little bit obvious. Like it's the obvious thing. It's like COVID jokes for comedians. I, I've heard them. So unless you're going to come out with something incredibly special, then generally I'm not going to be that impressed. So having said that though, because obviously I, I just realized after I first listened to it, um, at the beginning, I was like, holy shit, I was wrong. Here is a banger and he goes hard. And the thing is, he does another fake out. He sings, hello, new world, all the boys and girls. I got some true stories to tell. You're back outside, but then they still lied. And now I look back and I'm like, how did I not realize this was about COVID? But what can you do? And it dropped and it was a banger and I'm literally grooving to it and it's fire. And my fear of it being about, uh, and my fear of this not having any bangers did not come true. And I'm like, hell yes. And the other fear about having it as a COVID rap is not really too much a COVID rap but rather about superficial coping mechanisms that we use. And although he takes a jab at the COVID response, which, you know, fair enough, I think we all can take jabs at the COVID response. There's all things we wish didn't happen. You know, in Melbourne, we were locked down for like two years um, with restrictions and shit like that. So I, I think that links back to probably why I'm sick of talking about it and sick of hearing about it. Um, but he does a really good job. And... The things that I like about this, uh, he says, and these lines are, are really good, uh, take off the unloyal, take off the unsure, take off decisions I lack, take it off, 
Take off the fake deep, take off the fake woke, take off the I'm broke, I care. Take off the gossip, take off the new logic that if I'm rich, I'm rare. Take off the Chanel, take off the Dolce, take off the Birkin bag, take it off, take off, take all that designer bullshit off and what do you have? And I love that as a sentiment. I just, it flows, it works. It's like a really cool message. It's it's about who you are deep down rather than, the perception and your coping mechanisms and who you think you are. So I really like that as just a messaging piece and virtually the whole third verse was really good. I'm not going to say it all because there's like heaps here, um, but I do like that he's talking about, you know, the government and murder um, and the feds and and how he's mistrust for government in there. Um, And then he goes through this like little piece about like, you know, let's think about this for a second. Uh, Tell me what you would do for aesthetic. Would you sell your soul on credit? Would you sell your bro for leverage? Where the hypocrites at? Where communities feel they're the only ones relevant? Where the hypocrites at? What community feel like they're the only ones relevant? And I like that. I kind of do. I think it just talks about, he's referring to, you know, instead of just thinking about yourself and your own um, community, I think we need to look at the big picture. Everyone goes through things. Um, I just like that as like, you know, we can't only care about ourselves. We've got to care about others as well and other communities. So I think that's just a nice message. Um, My only critique in this though is that, the hook leaves a little bit to be desired. It's not as bad as I've seen, but there's this completely unnecessary bridge, this sing-songy bridge, and it doesn't work for me at all. I legitimately would have given it five stars if it wasn't for the bridge. The bridge just didn't seem to fit. It was a banger. It had lyrics in there, but then we have this sing-songy shit, and it's like, oh, so I gave it four and a half stars. Half a star, you lose for the bridge that I'm not a huge fan of. But I will say this is easy to put in a playlist. So this definitely kind of has that, but I'm sorry, just that half a star goes for um, for that bridge. Probably a little bit harsh, but I'm going to own it. Um, and who knows, maybe if I listen to it another five, ten times, I'm going to give it five. But for now, it's four and a half stars. In 95, there we go. All right, let's get to track three, Worldwide Steppers. So Worldwide Steppers uh, produced, uh, there's Tay Beast in there, JLBS, and Soundwave is back. Um, and this track is one that has really grown on me. At first, it, it like sounds strange. Um, and it starts with Kodak Black, who we see later in the album as well. He does some... He gives us an intro with some steps which link thematically, um, which obviously go through the whole album, which is a good move. It just works in terms of what his, what Kendrick is doing in terms of linking the story within this. Um, and then we get this bare bones beat and a hook. But he only does half of it and then we get into the verse. And it's weird because... On a beat like this, I thought Kendrick would really go after it. But he doesn't really go that hard. He just has this quick pace. He's found this cadence to the to the beat. And it's such a matter-of-fact tone. And it's like 
it, it just surprised me a little bit. Like it just surprised me. Um, and I, at first I was like, I'm not sure I like this. But then the piano hits at the end of the first verse. And I was like, oh, shit, this feels good. Like this actually works. And then they add this faint vocal sample and I'm like, damn, it works really well. And the beat was building. And I'm like, okay, now I see the construction here. It's building. And I really like the hook. Compared to some some of the other hooks I'll see later in the album, this hook is really good. It contrasts nicely with the verses and the first one that I've really liked so far, like really liked. The others, they were okay, but this one was really good. Then we have this interlude and usually I don't like this kind of stuff, um, but I enjoyed it. Like I have time to digest what I heard with the instrumental um, and it made me ready for what was coming next, which was a goddamn beat change. And one that I was like, oh, yeah, I rate this. But then it was gone as quickly as it came. And I kind of wish I had more of it. But I, I kind of grow to like this first beat anyway. So I don't mind it. But, like, I kind of just, it's weird. This is more of a commentary on, you know, hip-hop in general. Sometimes I feel like there are too many tracks with two beats and one beat is significantly better than another. This is not the case in this one, but like I don't I sometimes don't understand why they have an amazing beat and then they go into a shitty beat. And I don't get it. So like this is more of a yeah, as I said, hip hop commentary, but like if you got a good beat, don't fucking change it. Okay? Just keep it the same. You don't need to change it because it's in fashion. If it's a good beat, it's a good beat. Especially because songs are like less than three minutes these days. If it was a six-minute track, which I'm happy it's not six minutes, although this album has six-minute tracks, I understand. But like, is it necessary is all I'm going to ask. But then we get to this point and it's like the, the, the last verse and it opens the door for, what the fuck? And... Similar to the first track where he asks questions and then responds and answers them, this time he does it with a skit or a, or a viral video from 2018. I had no, no idea about this before I listened to this album. It was made by Riddell Ortiz, and it's so good. The feeling of, what the fuck? And it just works. And I'll give you a couple of examples, but he says, objectified so many bitches, I killed their confidence. What the fuck? And then he jumps into the media's the new religion. You killed the consciousness. What the fuck? Your jealousy is way too pretentious. You killed accomplishments. What the fuck? And he goes on and on and on. And it's so good. And I love this particular line. He says, the industry has killed the creators. I'll be the first to say, what the fuck? And it just works. That sample is so good. It really works well. Like it just makes sense with the track. That what the fuck piece is really a commentary on what he's feeling. Um, and I'm a huge fan of it. Um, and there are just so many cool passages throughout this. Um, 
obviously they've got the verse at the beginning where he's sleeping um, with white women and it's interesting at, at first it like took me a second to click what this was about and to me personally it seems like it's almost like a revenge for his ancestors and um, and for the for the crimes that were committed against you know African Americans um, and especially because there's also like a questions uh, surrounded to his like sex addiction, which we've heard about before. Um, and it's and he says she paid for her daddy's sins. Whitney asked, "Did I have a problem?" I said, "I might be racist." Ancestors watching me fuck was like retaliation. It's kind of interesting in the mind in his mindset. Um, and there's a lot in this track in terms of you know his place within the world in terms of his his vision and, and perception of himself. Um, and we see here that, like, he's asked if he has a problem. His answer is not he has a problem with sex addiction or he has a problem with sex. It's rather that he might be racist, which is an interesting way to respond to that type of question. Um, and I just think it's, it's an insight into his mindset, um, especially – at the time, I think he's looking back now and reflecting on what he was thinking and, and what he was going through and, and what Whitney was witnessing as well and what Whitney was probably hearing from the things he was saying. Um, there's also so much more to go through. He talks about uh, his children and the legacy he leaves behind for them, his relationship with God and the, and the entertainment industry. Um, and this just makes me appreciate his honesty. Um, and honestly, I appreciate it so much. I gave it five stars. Worldwide Steppers, five stars. I didn't think I'd get to this point, but like it is really good. Um, content, the beat, it all seems to work for me. So great work, Kendrick. First five star of the album. All right. Track four, Die Hard. Uh, this features Blast and Amanda Reefer. Um, Soundwave is back as his baby came in the productions. Um, there's a list of them as of others as well. And I was excited. I'm giving this five stars in not, sorry, not Die Hard. Let me take that way back. I'm not giving Die Hard five stars. Let me be very clear. But I was excited. Worldwide Steppers, five stars, N95, four and a half, uh, United in Grief, four, four stars. We're on a pretty good run. And that is very quickly undone by Die Hard. Very quickly. Because as soon as I hear this beat, I know exactly what the fuck is about to happen. It's a radio track. And like, okay, fine. I get it. We need a radio track to sell it. But like, I remember listening to this in the car the first time. And I was like, when I review this, I'm going to tear the shit out of this. I'm going to tear this track to pieces. And especially because it's not what I expected coming off the Worldwide Steppers. It is a pure radio track. And it reminds me of a Drake song, but worse. Maybe something like One Dance. Like, I love One Dance. One Dance or Hotline Bling. I love those songs. Those are both catchy as shit and I love them. But this ain't One Dance or Hotline Bling. Having said that, though, the more I listen to it, the more I kind of appreciate it. I won't say 
I love it. It's not my style of hip hop. But Blast does a good job, as does Amanda. And to be honest, it's pleasant and easy to listen to. Like it's not a difficult listen. Will I go out of my way to listen to it? No. But do I hate it? Also, no. It's just not my type of hip hop. Generally speaking, there are some songs like this that I do like, as I mentioned. And although Kendrick talks about his insecurities and about whether he'll be loved if he opens up, I kind of felt myself drifting away throughout this song because it's just not my type of song. And the melody kind of distracts me from the messaging. And at the end of the day, would I come back to this? No. If it plays on the radio, would I turn it off? Maybe. If it's in the background, I'm I'm probably happy with it. It's all about context. But at the end of the day, I'm giving this three stars. It started as a two. Um, it's gotten better with time. Honestly, it has. You can probably tell I have a little bit of annoyance to do with this track, but it has gotten better with time. So, you know, it is what it is. All right. Glad that's out of the way because we can move to track five, Father Time. And here we go. I'm back to a track that really resonates with me. And there is a lot Kendrick discusses on that on this. Um Yeah, there's a lot. He 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 talks about what it is to be a man, what it's like to be growing up as a man. Um but before we get into that kind of stuff, because, you know, as a man myself, I found some of this really powerful. Um, let's, let's jump into the beat. So the beat, another fake out from Kendrick, which is a little bit disappointed because, like, I like the intensity of the intro regarding the therapy, the, the therapy and him saying, nah, don't be stupid. I don't need it which kind of links back to Worldwide Steppers as well. So, again, thematically it continues on the same path. Um, And then it changes, and at first I'm like, damn. It has this, like, strange vocal sample, which I kind of like, and then it changes again in the third or fourth line, and the drums hit with the piano, and the beat really works. It really does. So at first I was disappointed because the the fake out comes back and then I have a simple beat. But, you know, Kendrick redeemed himself. Three or four lines in, I'm really enjoying the beat. And props to Sampha who features on this. Um, he, he did such a good job on the hook. It's so catchy and I like the things he said. He said, you know, early morning wake-ups, practicing on day-offs, tough love, bottled up, no chaser. Neat, no chaser, neat, no chaser, neat, no chaser, neat, no chase. Obviously, I absolutely fucked it up because he sang and I can't sing. Um, But it's interesting because at first I thought he was referring to alcohol. Um, But then I realized Kendrick's obviously sober, so he's not drinking. So this doesn't refer to alcohol and maybe, and it probably refers to, you know, tough love and no chaser. And by that I mean he received a lot of tough love but no actual love. And he that's what he missed and that's what's elongated his pain is like there's one thing to give tough love, it's another to just that's it. That's all you get as a kid. 
So I just imagine him going through that pain. And, you know, he says this kind of stuff and it's throughout the whole verse. Um, and he says, I got daddy issues. That's on me. Looking for I love you. Rarely empathizing for my relief. A child that grew accustomed jumping up when I scraped my knee because if I cried about it, he'd surely tell me not to be weak. He 100% is not the only one to be told that. I remember being told something like that. Men don't cry. He then goes on to say, Daddy issues, fuck everybody, go get your money, son. Protect yourself. Trust nobody, only your mamas, your mum and them. This made relationships seem cloudy, never attached to none. So if you took some likings around me, I might reject the love. Really interesting because at a point you get so used to being told not to feel love or that's what he's saying. He's so used to not feeling love that he can't accept it from others. And so it makes his relationships really challenging because he almost feels unworthy of love. And that's an interesting sentiment. And, you know, it's weird because I am empathized with it. As a man growing up, I remember, you know, as I said, being told, you know, be strong. Men don't really show emotions. And what it means to be a man is to be stoic and emotionless and not think, not let things get to you and that you just numb yourself and that you just go through life and you just hold everything up. And it's interesting because I remember there was when my grandfather passed away, I was told by a relative and my dad's an only child. And so he was losing his, he already lost his mom and now he lost his father. And it's interesting because I think I was like, I don't know, 15 or 16. Like I was young um, or maybe I was a little bit old, like 18, around, around that age. And I remember one of my relatives and he said, you know, I have to be strong for my dad. And it was an interesting moment because it was like, to me, it felt like he was saying, my father's the only one allowed to grieve and that I have to hold it up. It's like the passing of the mant mantle. And I got two younger brothers, but he didn't say it to them. He said it to me as the old eldest brother. And it was like, at that time, I was like, hey, that's not fair that I have to hold it up. I'm not allowed to grieve as well. Like, and so I can kind of understand what he's saying here is like, there is this expectation at some point in your life where you got to not let things get to you. And it makes things tough because in reality, they still get to you. You just don't deal with them. So I kind of get what he's saying here. What I also thought was really interesting is his reflection on Drake and the Kanye beef where he realized he was surprised that they buried the hatchet and that it reflects more on him than it does with them. And he says, and he says that, like he, he actually mentions that, that it's like, oh, shit. That says a lot about me and maybe I've not matured as much as I thought I have. And I also want to touch on one last line, like content-wise. Um, he says, till then, let's give the women a break, grown men with daddy issues. And I, I did read a couple of different perspectives 
on what people thought this meant. Um, but I personally think it refers to the fact that we always say women have daddy issues when in reality grown men also have daddy issues. I think you're saying let's give women a break because they're not the only ones who need healing. We all do. So I, I just like that as a message. I think it you know, gives us the ability to be like it's not all women just like it's not no men. It is men as well. Um, so it's strange. And I guess I hadn't think, thought about it until he pointed it out. But I will say overall this song hit me in the feels and although this is not a song that I would actually put in a playlist because it's emotional and heartfelt, it's definitely a song that I can revisit when I'm in a specific mood. And for that, five stars. And we go from such a rich song to a rich track. Track six, the rich interlude. God, I think some of you would would hate that pun or what I did there. Anyway, rich number six, the interlude. And we went, before I get into it, I got to say, it's a spoken word uh, with Kodak Black and Sampha and it's produced by Duval Timothy. See, he's back. I mentioned him at the beginning. Um, We go from a five-star track to the rich interlude, a spoken word, and this is absolute trash. This song made no sense. The piano got way too quick and didn't make sense with Kodak's spoken word rhymes. And he says some interesting things, but it wasn't to the beat, which was too busy, and it even had a vocal sample, which I ordinarily like, but this sucked. And I'm actually annoyed that I had to listen to this. I listened to this four goddamn times and I'm still annoyed about it. And it did not grow at all. I was tossing up, honestly, between giving it one star and two stars. Now I realize that with the emotion that I have, it probably should be one star. But I ended up going in the middle and give it one and a half. I don't want to hear this shit again at all. I'm going to skip it every single time. And this was just straight up disappointing. Track six was absolute trash. That's it. That's all I've got to say. I'm annoyed talking about it already. <sighs> all right. <sighs> Let me just calm down. Track seven, Rich Spirit. And if this is anything like track six, the interlude, I'm going to be annoyed. That's what I was feeling. And I want to skip it immediately. I'm already annoyed by the title. It's the same. And... It's not the same, but it's not much better. I wasn't a huge fan, and maybe it's the stench of the interlude that ruined this for me, but I'm not a fan at all of what Kendrick did here. Slow, singy-type rap. The beat was fine, but nothing really stood out. The interlude by Sam Jew was so unnecessary. Um, it just didn't really do anything for me. Um but I will say it kind of sounded nice. Unnecessary, but it sounded nice, if that makes sense. There are lots of shit that is unnecessary, but kind of sounds nice, I guess. Um, and I get that, like, Rich Spirit is about his own qualities while he's trying to stand firm against criticism um, that people have with him. But the melodies did not work. It distracted from what I was trying to listen to and his views on morality. Um, and he, he does some 
some like he he talks about some cool shit here, but I'm so distracted by other shit that I really don't have time to appreciate it. Um, and as I said, he talks about his views on morality, narcissism within the family, loyalty, and other themes that he's had throughout this. And one line summed it up for me: this whole song. I'd be lying if I said I wouldn't give this shit away. Give it to somebody else. Two stars. Skip. Let's go. And this is at the point where I'm concerned. Two stars in a two tracks in a row, and I'm starting to get worried. And I'm worried by this feature. Honestly, I am. We have two tracks that really didn't work, and now I got a feature I don't know. Taylor Page in the track "We Cry Together," produced by um, the Alchemist, who comes in, uh, and a few others as well. But the Alchemist comes in and. I was very, very, very worried. I literally thought this can't be good. And when I was with Danny in the car, he was also like, this can't be good. This cannot be good. And then, boy, was I wrong. Because this track had me hooked immediately with the Florence and the Machines Dune. It's nothing but dope, that sample. It's unreal. And what's interesting, and I didn't even realize this until I started uh, doing this review, is that it re- their album, their new album, Florence and the Machine, released on the same day as Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. It was called Dance Fever. I kind of like that, um, that it happened like that. I'm not, I doubt it was planned. I'm like 99% confident that wasn't planned but i just like that they also released an album and kendrick sampled them maybe i'm sentimental like that um but let's get to the track so the track leads into a modified version of like the short hook um this is what the world sounds like and despite how dark this song actually is i really love it Like, I really do. And it surprised me from start to finish. And Taylor Page, who I thought would be the downfall in this, is actually the hero. She ends off playing off Kendrick so well, and she carries this song. Her emotion and what she does is unreal. And that hook where they exchange fuck yous is actually, and from what it seems, it's inspired from the 1993 uh, movie Poetic Justice which also is referenced in Good Kid, Mad City with uh, as a title song. So, and and if if you haven't seen the movie, there's a scene where they have a similar exchange where it's, fuck you, no, fuck you, no, fuck you, no, fuck you. So they exchange fuck yous as well. So it feels like a, a bit of a, a, um, a throwback to that and a bit of like, you know, um, yeah, just appreciation for that. And this whole thing is obvious, is, if you can't tell already, um, and if you haven't listened to it, I'm surprised you're listening to this anyway. Um, but it's all about the toxic relationship between um, between two people. And by the end, you actually see that they're in a cycle um, and they don't pull any punches at all throughout this. Um, he cheats on her. He threatens to fuck. She threatens to fuck other guys. He gets his feelings hurt, steals her keys. Um, it's pretty horrible, honestly. But the irony is that they always or from what it seems, the irony is that they seem to turn the fuck yous into the fuck me. And they seem to reconcile with sex 
And it seems to feel like this is not the first time they've had this fight, that they've actually had this fight before and that this is a cycle that they're in and and hence the beginning when they're like, this is what the world sounds like. The interesting thing to me, though, is in the third verse where Taylor is talking about the horrible things men do to women. Um, and she says, like, egotistic, not narcissistic, love your own lies. See you the reason why strong women fucked up, why they say it's a man's world. See you the reason for Trump. You the reason we overlooked, underpaid, underbooked, under shame. If you look, I don't speak, then I'm called on my name. I am flawed, I am pained, never yours, I remained. The reason, you the reason bitches start fucking with bitches when they change. You the reason bitches start calling y'all bitches because y'all useless. You the reason Harvey Weinstein had to see his conclusion. You the reason R. Kelly can't recognize that he's abusive. And that's actually followed by Kendrick saying that women aren't blameless. He says, fake innocent, fake feminist, stop pretending. Your sentiments ain't realer than what you defending. It's a split decision. Broads like you and, and real victims. Let's look at the truth. Women in general can't get along. When Tash got a man, you didn't pick up the phone. Uh-huh. When Nate got a job, you saying you st- you saying you staying home. Oh, and why and R and B bitches don't feature on each other's song then? I fucked that verse up completely, so it is what it is. But he is pointing out that obviously women are not blameless, but I'm not gonna lie, I think Kendrick comes out on the wrong side of this. Like I get what he's saying and I get that he's saying that, you know, you can't just blame the others and there are things that you do to contribute to to your life and stuff like that. But at the same time, I don't think he's got a very strong leg to stand on um, in that sense. Like there is a difference between jealousy and Harvey Weinstein, right? So um, I get what he's trying to do here. I think he kind of misses the mark in that sense. But I will say, as dark as this fucking song is, when I first heard it, I was smiling because I love the concept and I love what the execution of what they did here. And also kind of like the messaging on it as well, um, apart from the end. But either way you feel about the end and the sentiment that he had, um, what we have to be together on is this track is five stars. Has to be. It's five stars. But I will say my only kind of critique later and now is that this song does lose a little bit of replayability just because of the type of song that it is. It's at first it was like, oh shit, this like surprises you. Now I know it's gonna come. And I kind of don't see this coming into a playlist anytime soon, but I really can't take away any any stars for that so we cry together we're back the stench of rich and rich spirit is gone and i'm a pretty happy man at this point and you know what track nine last track of the first disc and i'm the most excited for this track because of the feature ghost face killer i'm so excited for this and it features Summer Walker produced by Soundwave is back, Beach Noise, JLBS, Khalil has the list. Um, 
and it features Summer Walker, as I said. And as and to be honest, after we cry together, I'm riding high. I'm a happy man. I'm just looking and going, Ghost Face. Can't wait to hear his verse. And what's interesting is I didn't realize this. I'm not sure what the relevance is, but Purple Heart in the U.S. military is a decoration awarded by the four brands. Uh, can't speak. Uh, in the U.S. military, it's decorated by the four branches of the U.S. Armed Forces, uh, and for those who, for those who are wounded or killed in battle uh, or in service of of the military. So I didn't realize that. Um, not really sure what that has to do with the album, but I don't know. Interesting. But let's get back to the track. So starts with a nice beat. It's not a banger, but it has heavy drums, and I like that. And then we have Kendrick kind of singing again. You already know it's not my favorite version of Kendrick. It's not my favorite version of most rappers, to be honest. And, like, yes, he can do it, and, yes, this is part of his skill set, but I much prefer his rapidity rap. I like when he just flows and he goes for it. And I will say Summer Walker sounds really good sonically. Like she's doing nice things. Like again, is it my favorite shit? No, but it's hard to critique because I think she delivers what she delivers. And these lines make me smile every single time. It ain't love if you're going to judge me for my past. No, it ain't love if you ain't never eat my ass. Got to agree. But my biggest complaint of this song is it feels like two separate songs. Ghostface has a decent verse or a good verse, but it has nowhere near the same tone as Kendrick or Summer. And it feels like an afterthought. And if there was a track where I thought Kendrick would go hard and open the door for Ghostface to go hard, this was the track. This was one where I was like, maybe they'll do a head-to-head. And there was no such thing. And I guess, you know, Ghostface does a pretty good job. He, he says things like, my good deeds in front of your door, I'm standing by the entrance with heavy baggage, my brother's ashes. I seen tragic, I did dirt, smack death, and held it to that N cabbage. Love, we kill in greed, we kill in homelessness, and I don't give a fuck about this land. I want ownership. It's not bad. It's not bad. Nice imagery. Um, yeah, I have more of a problem with the way the, the song was constructed um, and, again, what Kendrick did. Um, it's a little bit disappointing. Honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I have written three stars, but I'm going to say two and a half stars. The more I talk about it, the more I'm like, I can't give it three. It's average at best. Two and a half stars and not the best way to end disc one. All right, disc two. Disc one ended disappointingly, but let's go to disc two. Track 10. Count me out. I'm going to take a quick sip because I've been talking a lot. Track 10. Disc two, track 10. Count me out. This is produced by... Tim Maxey, JLBS, Kendrick is back on the production list and Soundwave is also still here. And let me just say, I hope that this track starts better than the way disc one finished. Because 
when I look back on disc one, it had literally everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Literally had all those things. All right, let's get into the track. So here we go. Right off the bat, the vocal is awesome. I'm engaged. I'm ready to go. And then it's another fake out. And it's time for the actual beat and the real meaning of the song being session 10 breakthrough. But the beat that takes over with the I'm drifting and falling vocal sample gives me this like ethereal kind of angelic feeling and it's pretty hard not to love. And I love this early line about the transition of what he's seen growing up in Compton to where he is now. Got six magazine, got six magazines that's aimed at me. Done every magazine, what's fame to me. And the first verse is just littered with introspection. And it's pretty good to hear. And he is in the, in the messaging and, and the nature of our reality. And, and he, he kind of just talks about, you know, living your truth in a way. This is what, what it makes me feel. It's what it makes me think of. Like just talking about your truth and whether that's like living your truth, is that good or bad? And he says, masks on babies, mask on an op. And I kind of just, I think that's gone back to COVID. Uh, Wear masks in the neighborhood stores you shop, but a mask won't hide who you are inside. Look around the realities carved in lies. I like it. I like the messaging. And I think it goes in all forms. You know, it's the, the mask that we put on when we go see go to work, the mask that we put on when we go see, you know, your girlfriend's families or your partner's families. Um, it's the mask that you put on when you're at the grocery store, when you're out in public, the mask that you put on when you're in fame, whatever it might be. And I just like that as like, you know, just because you live it doesn't mean it's true and that you can't hide who you are inside. And that sometimes we need to focus on who we are internally rather than just who we are externally. And I just like that as, as just a piece of messaging. But here's where we get interesting and we get to the hook. And at first I'm like, I don't really write this. And then bang, there is a beat drop. And I'm like, oof, here we go. It goes hard. And the bridge is the only thing to me that is kind of unnecessary in this and Sam Jew I feel like I'm going to crucify Sam Jew throughout this but like it doesn't do anything for me in this but then there is another part to the song we get further down and Kenrick is back to using more singy song type stuff and it's just not what I want to hear doesn't it hit me the way the beginning does or the beginning of the track but having said that, it has grown on me, but it still won't be the best. I also wanted to point out one other line um, or a couple of lines, and it's, uh, I made a decision, never give you my feelings, fuck with you from, fuck with you from a distance. Some put it on the devil when they fall short. I put it on my ego, Lord of all lords. Sometimes I fall for her dog. And I love this because I think it, really just shows that he he's introspective and it does link in really well with what he talked about in the first track united in grief um where he's talking about you know the devil you know thematically he's talking about uh sex again thematically and he's talking about love again thematically um and i guess he realizes that his ego is the problem i think something we all kind of suffer from 
So I kind of I kind of like that as as just an introspective piece. Um, yeah, it's hard to to be mad at that, but the track was really heading towards five stars at the beginning. It really was kind of veered off in the middle, and it just was like sonically not what I prefer. Um, and it has grown on me. So having said that, it's going to be four stars. I'm not going to give it five. It needs to stop singing on this, but like four stars, it's a pretty good start. I think it's the same start I gave for Uniting Grief. So we're on track to to go on the on the same uh, on the same pace. Alrighty, Crown. Let's see if I'll crown him king. All right. So track eleven, Crown. And I know what you're probably thinking, and it's probably fair that this type of track is probably not something Aaron would ordinarily like. And I'll tell you what, you would be 100% right. But this is the exception to the rule because I have loved this song and really liked it ever since the first time I heard it in the car. I don't know what it did. It just hits me. And the beat and this piano, it just had me hooked. Um, and I don't care that Kendrick sings the pre-hook. And in this case, it actually works and it adds to the feeling of the song. And the hook goes into, I can't please everybody. No, I can't please everybody. Wait, you can't please everybody. No, I can't please everybody. I can't please everybody. Again, you know, I'm not delivering it with justice. And I just like the meaning there. And it's just so good. And I like this in the pre-chorus as well. But the time it'll come to not be there when somebody, somebody needs you, you say no and all you've done, give them amnesia. One thing I've learned, love can change with the season. And I just, I think that's a good message. Nothing you do is ever enough for some people. Um, and, yeah, I think it's sad because I think that's true. You know, there are definitely people who you help them out once, twice, three times, and then they keep putting their hand out and then you say no and they're like, what the fuck, man? Why didn't you help me? And it's like, I've been helping you the whole time, but there's a, a line in the sand. So I kind of like that as just, uh, again, just just lines. It just kind of clicked with me. Um, and just in general with the song, as much as the hook is repetitive, it's so pleasant, has the vocal sample. I really have no complaints. And trust me, I'm surprised as much as you are because I gave this shit five stars. And I say shit kind of tongue-in-cheek because usually I would give this shit. There you go. Five stars. Crown. I'm surprised. All right. Track 12. Silent Hill featuring Kodak Black. He is back. It's produced by uh, Soundwave um, as well. A um, couple of others. Uh, look, I don't know why I'm mentioning uh, a couple of the producers. There's so many. Um, you can check the, the the credits. But um, anyway, and this is the song where I actually thought that we're going to go off again. Um, it has Kodak Black. It has the the title of Silent Hill, which feels like kind of a um, horror themes, which Danny said when I was listening, when we were listening in the car, he was like, the title kind of has these horror themes to it. 
which I agree with. Um, it kind of made me feel like, ooh, this is going to be dark. It's going to be murky. They're going to talk about some some like gangster shit. And the beat hits, and they've got this silencer going off. That's what I think it sounds like, like the silencer like with a gun. Um, but the song is not them going for it, and it's not them murdering a track, and they do nothing of the sort. And when Kendrick flows, he is practically unrivaled in what he can do. And this was the track to do it on. Did he do it? No. Is the beat a good trap beat after the fake out intro? Yes, it is. But I wanted more. And what's annoying to me more than anything is Kendrick's who? Who? I know he's trying to set something. Like, it's almost like he's trying to set a new trend where people are like, who? But, like, come on. It didn't sound that. It didn't sound good. It sounded corny. Didn't really work. Like, it just didn't feel as dark as what I thought this track would be. Maybe this is more a reflection of myself than it is of Kendrick. But if you ask me, he needed to take a lesson from Sahai the Prince in the Black History Project where he goes, huh, huh. It's so, it's tough, it's menacing, has this tonality to it, and it's so good. Add that instead of the who, and I'm much, much happier. And i got to say, I like the post-chorus more than I like the hook, the chorus, or the post-hook more than I like the hook. Um, and his verse just goes back into sing, song, rapping, and it's just like, I heard this already in the album more than once, and I'm kind of annoyed. And then I'm like, okay, but we still got Kodak Black to come, and he can steal the show. But is it just me, or does he not really find the right pocket? to ride the beat, felt disjointed. And not only, and and it only got to the end when it felt like he actually clicked into the verse with the with the beat and with what he was doing. That, that didn't seem to match. And I know there are some artists who just don't click with the beat and I've never understood that. What I like about hip hop is when artists find a cool pocket and they ride the beat really well and they come up with a flow that others don't come up with. That's what I like. And then the content didn't make sense in this song. Silent Hill is the track name. And you're probably going to be like, okay, you can let go of the Silent Hill. Kendrick talks about you being quiet and like, I don't know where the fucking hill comes from, but like it just didn't have thematically what I thought it would have in this. Um, and like he does have some some kind of nice things at the end. Kodak, like I picked these out. Every Sunday's son's day, teach my boy to be a man. I ain't had no father. Fell in love with the block. I ain't have no pop. Just a short off shotgun. Mossberg. We stacking that money up proper. Awkward diamonds look like marbles. Automare's water. Aqua beaten. The block up till we spot him. I don't want your ice boy. I want your life, but fuck it. I still might rob him. It's 
not bad. It's actually not bad. As I'm reading that right now, I'm like, actually, you know what? That's pretty, that's not bad. Did he have the right cadence the whole time? No. Was Kendrick doing a great job? No. Thematically, did they all hit the beat? All hit the song title? No. So overall, I'm a little bit let down and it's average at best and I probably wouldn't go back to this actively and that who I will never, or maybe I'll understand one day, but right now I don't get it. So I'm going to die on this hill and, or well, I'm not going to be silent on this hill, shall I say. So two and a half stars. Skip. All right. Track 13, a Savior Interlude. Produced by Soundwave again, and Kendrick's on the production credits as well on this. Um, and we kind of see throughout this album, and I'm going to jump straight in, um, that uh, Eckhart Tolle is referenced throughout this album as like, um, he is, for anyone, I didn't know this before, it's not like I'm, I'm a genius and know all this this kind of shit, I, I just had to look it up. But Eckhart Tolle is actually a German-born spiritual teacher, um, self-help author, and he wrote The Power of Now and a New Earth and was actually um, recommended by Oprah Winfrey in, in a book club. I don't know when. Um, and I think it was uh, a guide, The Power of Now, A Guide to Spiritual Enlightenment, and it reached New York Times bestseller list in 2000. So, yeah. And from what I've realized and what I can gather is that Eckhart Tolle is positioned throughout this as Kendrick's spiritual teacher and guide. And I just like that. Again, thematically, I kind of just like that. Um, and he pops up here and there with like um, a bit of wisdom um, in terms of Kendrick's spiritual journey and in terms of his kind of therapy in a way. So I like that. Um, and I also like the idea that he's saying that, you know, he couldn't uh, get to a point where he has spiritual enlightenment without a teacher of this nature um, and that he needs help and that therapy is something that has been helping him in this. So, um, yeah, and that without him, he wouldn't have had the ability to open up. So I think, again, this goes points to album construction. So good job there. Um, but anyway, let's get to the interlude. Shall we? Um, because if it's anything like the last interlude, I'm going to lose my mind. Not in a good way. At first, I'm kind of skeptical um, just because of what I remember Kodak Black did. I'm kind of happy he's not on this because I was worried if he was going to be. Um, but looks like Kendrick wasn't happy with the last interlude either because he's given this one to Baby Keem. And so now I'm more interested and... This was so good, so good. He says some real shit in here. And he says the shit that should have been on Silent Hill. That's what annoys me. Listen to this. Your uncle ever stole from you day after Christmas, seen both of these in county jail visits, the 1st and the 15th, the only religion, noodles in the microwave, shark tank tidal wave, grandma shooting ends, blood on the highway, crosses on the dashboard, you just want a platform, I want to take everything that I ask for, catch me a body, I'll put that on anybody but my mama, she's showing a, pat, 
a pattern for certain. I fucked up that last bit. That's so annoying, but you get my point. Uh, maybe rapping's not as easy as I think it is. Uh, I actually don't think it's easy at all, hence why I don't rap. But really strong interlude, and i got to say I'm impressed. And it looks like the skills run in the family, and obviously Baby Keem was on uh, Kanye's album Donda, so uh, great work with that. But I can't help myself. I have a bit of a critique. Uh, I think he says, uh, oh, and I got to get up and get back to the ball and fall. I don't know what he was doing there. That was a choice I did not like. Um, But I will say I struggle to give interludes five stars. I do just because they're an interlude. Um, It's probably just a me thing. Um, And I will say this is something I will revisit. Um, maybe not regularly, but somewhat. Um, so I thought this was pretty good. Um, and it's not, it's not the savior just yet, but I will give it four stars. Still pretty good. Good work, baby Keem. Um, you've made up for Silent Hill. So well done. I like it. And that opens the door for track 14, savior featuring baby Keem and Sam Jew and this has, again, Soundwave on it, Kendrick Lamar, a couple of others, Mario, Luciano. Um, yeah, so it has those people on it. And straight up, I like the themes in here about who we look up to, who we treat like gods or our version of gods, musicians, celebrities. He talks about racial issues, COVID-19. Uh, the one thing I don't like, because as I've said, it's kind of been done to death, um, political correct correctness he talks about uh flaws and struggle his flaws and struggles um and it's kind it's just in tune with the rest of the album so i kind of like again thematically it continues um and it starts really well kendrick made you think about it but he's not your savior cole made you feel empowered but he is not your savior future said get a money counter, but he's not your savior. Bron made you give him his flowers, but he's not your savior. He is not your savior. I wonder who is. Is it God? I think Kendrick maybe is kind of talking about that. Maybe it's therapy. I don't know. I certainly don't have the answers. Um, But yeah, anyway, back to the song. Uh, We see Baby Keem on here and he's earned... Uh, which he's earned as well. Um, I think he definitely deserves to be on this track. Um, I'm skeptical about Sam Jew's inclusion because, well, I haven't loved what he's done so far. But, um, yeah, anyway. And the fake out is back. It's a classic. It's the classic we know, Kendrick. Fake out. He does so many fake outs on this. I'm starting to get used to it. Um, And it kind of works. Although I'm not, I, I guess I don't really love either instrumentals on this. Like they serve a purpose, but not ones that I felt right off the bat. There are instrumentals that I felt straight away on this, um, and there's nothing really here that I'd loved. It's good, but I didn't love it. And um, there are things on here that I definitely like. Having said that, Sam's vocals. Uh, serve more as a part of the instrumental and they add this like angelic quality, which is actually quite good. So Sam, you did a a good job here. It kind of just works with the beat, although it's not my favorite beat. Baby Keem's hook is also really catchy. Um, 
I can't help but joining him and say, bitch, are you happy for me? Really? Are you happy for me? Smile on my face, but are you happy for me? Yeah, I'm out of the way. Are you happy for me? It just kind of works really well. Um, and I could just feel like I'm going to start saying, really, are you happy for me? I just feel like I can say that in my in my real life. Um, so I kind of just like that. Um, and before I get to the other quotables and, and things I like, again, Kendrick, that bridge was trash. Completely unnecessary. He lost half a star as soon as I heard it. And my opinion hasn't changed in regard to that. Just cut it out. It was so unnecessary. Um, but having said that, his verses were good from start to finish. Like, I like that. It's just like, oh, there's just some choices in here that I wasn't a huge fan of. Um, and he says, uh, bite their tongues in rap lyrics, scared to be crucified about a song, but they won't admit it. Politically correct is how you keep it, keep an opinion. Ends a tight-lipped, fuck who dare to be different. And I respect that. He's saying, you know, stick to your beliefs and people are scared to be honest and tell you what they actually think. Um, and I'm sure he's not the only one that feels that way. But, yeah, good bars. I just think it's, a, it's again, a commentary on society. And he's commenting on hip-hop artists um, not being true to what they believe. So, yeah, hard to be disappointed with that. Um, and then, you know, he has some other lines Um and I won't read them all because I feel like I'm doing a bit of reading. Um, and, like, he's reflecting on himself um, and he's reflecting on um, his time not public speaking. Um, he does say, I rubbed elbows with people that was for the people. They all greedy. I don't care for no public speaking. And they like to wonder where I've been protecting my soul in the valley of silence. So he's protecting himself by not speaking. and. Again, I think that, that that works for me. It, it makes sense with the time that he's taken. He is protecting his mental health. He's protecting his well-being. Um, yeah, I think that that really works in terms of a messaging and and his struggling and and just seeing the two-faced nature of people who you think are one way but really another. Um, I don't think he wants to particularly be fall within that trap, as he's mentioned before. His ego can be um, his his king or his uh, motivator at times. So this kind of links back to that, which which makes sense to me. Um, but good themes. The beat was okay, I guess. The beat wasn't my favourite. The bridge was no good. Um, and I have to say, Kendrick said he's not my saviour and neither is this song. The beat let me down. So did the bridge. As I said, three and a half stars. Sorry. All right. We're coming to the end. Well, four more tracks. We're coming towards the end of the album. Um, and it's been a bit of a ride thus far. So track 15, Auntie Diaries, produced by the Donuts, which I, I kind of love their name, um, and others as always. Um, and I'm going to get right into this because this is there's some heavy stuff within this track. Um, and... We get into this and Kendrick is talking about the, the story of two transgender people, uh, his relatives. I'm not sure if they're really his relatives or they, they just are in this track. The way it makes me feel is at least I, 
I guess it feels like they're his relatives. He does that pretty well. And he's using this narrative and uses this song to critique himself, society, the church's views on the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and, yeah, it's an interesting song. Um, it's not, probably not what I expected um, to come up on this, but let's see how we go. The fake out is back um, and used again for the intro, which was okay. I mean, nothing special was the intro. Um but the meaning behind it was pretty good. Um, you know, the heart plays in ways the mind can't figure out, um, and it's followed by Eckhart Tolle, who we, who I mentioned before, um, and this is how we conceptualize human beings. I guess it's more about, you know, conceptualize. Maybe this is a commentary on this is what we think humans are and when people fit outside the fold or outside of what we ordinarily conceptualize, this is what the, what we can go through or what they can go through. So I think that's it. I'm not 100% sure, but it sounds about right to me. Um, yeah, I th- just think it's about the, the, the experience that people go through when they are going through um, transitioning or gender dysphoria, however you want to say it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. If that makes sense, I think it makes sense to me. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. Not 100% sure there. Um, but when we get into the track, what I really like about this is that it builds um, and it starts quite quiet and somber, as is Kendrick's tonality, um, which really works, and it builds. And at the end, we get to this point where it's like a crescendo of hope, where it's like the the music just like it's empowering it gives you this energy and i really like that as a structure for a song especially when he's talking about these types of things um there is this interesting part and kendrick has received some controversy over this song um in regards to things that he says um something i noticed and something that stuck out to me at the beginning was uh throughout is like my auntie is a man now what a relationship i grew up fast i needed no one to babysit he gave me some cash, then gave me some game. Cherry freshener on the dash. I never complained. She even cut my hair at the pad. She was loving my fade. And at first I was like, wait, hold on. He and she, he was, she's no longer a he. And then the more I think about it, the more I think this is in reference to time. That when his auntie gave him cash. She was a man biologically. Obviously, everyone says she's she was always a female, but I think he's referring to his perception in time. So he's using gender to almost show that the same person, i.e. his auntie that he's always loved, had an impact in his life. It wasn't just after she transitioned. It was before and after. And I think that's what he's trying to do here. So I kind of get that part of it. I will say, though, um, I think his verse about his cousin is stronger. He uses names, which I think is more empowering. He doesn't use names in the version with the auntie. And because they were, it feels like they're similar ages and they were friends growing up, that this hits harder. That the impact of the story just um, makes you feel more. There's more power in his actions. There's more reflection in his actions. So, and he he does reflect on the effect of his actions. Um, and 
He says, they said they never seen it in him, but I seen it. The Barbie dolls played off reflection of Venus. He built a wall so tall you couldn't climb over. He didn't laugh as hard when the other kids started joking. F word, F word, F word. Um, obviously talking about homosexuals in a derogatory manner. We ain't no, we ain't no, no better. Middle school kids with no filter, however. I had to be mindful of my good cousin. I knew exactly who he was, but I still loved him. I mean, I have no doubt he loved his cousin. I guess, and you know what? Who, as a kid, hasn't said, you know, profanities? I find it hard to point anyone who hasn't because as a child, you don't really understand what you're saying. That's what he's trying to point out. And maybe he's using it here and he shouldn't. Maybe that's an argument. But I'm not so sure. I think for the effect of this song, it works. Again, he's, it's a time piece. He's talking about this is who I was as a child. This is when I didn't understand. And then he says... And, and he reflects on his disdain for religion. He's, he talks about God and his disdain for religion. I think that's an interesting perspective to have. Um, and he says, that's when you looked at me and smiled and said, thank you. The day I chose humanity over religion. The family got closer. It was all forgiven. I said them F-bombs. I ain't known no better. Mistakenly, I ain't think that you'd know any difference. See, I was taught words was nothing more than a sound. He understands. He looks back and he's like, fuck. I didn't get it. And now he does. He didn't understand the impact. And I think it is powerful in the way that it makes him relatable, in the way that he's learning. He's not really preaching here and he has this chance to preach, but he doesn't feel preachy. It actually feels reflective and it feels honest and it feels real. and. He moves forward slowly in this story or in this reflection. And I guess society is moving forward slowly. And I think we want to move faster, but I also think this song really worked. Um, and I don't know. I just, I just think his intent here was not to be offensive. His intent here was to merely reflect on his expression. And, you know, I understand if people were offended by this, Absolutely. I get it. And maybe he didn't need to say uh, the F word at the end of the song, which I will touch on. Um, but there's also something else that people get offended or got offended by is his reference to Caitlyn Jenner as Bruce. Um, you know, maybe that was a mistake. I doubt it. But I also think that it's a time thing. I think this whole thing is with reference to, stunt, to time. This whole track seems like a time discussion of like, this is who I was before. This is who my auntie was before. You know, she transitioned before Caitlin became Caitlin. Before it was like really acceptable. So I don't know. I think, I don't think it's a necessary um, kind of commentary. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I guess you're entitled to feel however you're entitled to feel. I just think that Kendrick didn't actually go out of his way to offend people. I think he really was trying to do the right thing. Um, and you know what? Point me in another hip-hop track that does a better job of talking about transgender rights. Maybe there is. I haven't heard one. So, you know, I think, I think he did a good job here. 
Um, as I said, I'm going to touch on the uh, parallel between the F, F word and the N word, um, which he touches on here. Um, and it's quite interesting because he he talks about the use of the N-word. He invites a fan on stage um, in the Good Kid Mad City tour, I believe it was, um, and she raps along with him. She, he invites her to rap along with him. She's white and she uses the N-word and then he kicks her off stage and, and gets angry. And I don't, I don't, is that the right thing? I don't know. Um, obviously, um, you know, I, I personally, as an Australian white guy, I'm not rooted in US history. I'm not the most knowledgeable on US history. Um, I haven't been directly affected by it. Um, and it's probably not my place to comment on whether Kendrick's comments are right or wrong, which he says, you should not be saying the F word if you don't want people to use the N word. He's trying to put that analogy together, which which makes sense. And I think this is, I guess, what Kendrick is trying to say is like, you know, hold people to to the same standard you want to be held at. And to be honest, in hip-hop, the F word is used a lot in hip-hop. And I think that's what he's really trying to get at is like in lyrics, it's used a lot, but then we don't want people to say the N word. So how can you have one without the other? You want to be respected with that? You've got to respect both ways. Um, and I didn't really mean to get down this rabbit hole, um, but I think it's just interesting and ultimately – um, I think Kendrick did a great job in this song. I really do. It's emotional. It's a story. It's reflective. It has a lovely instrumental uh, and a simple hook. I really can't ask for much more. And I gave this five stars. He did a really good job here, regardless of any potential criticism. I think he really nailed it. So great job, Auntie Diaries. It's a good diary. I'm glad I heard it. All right. Track six, Mr. Morale, featuring Tana Leone. Um, and interestingly produced by Beach Noise and Pharrell Williams. So I didn't know that Pharrell would would be producing here, but he obviously is. Um, and i got to say, this is probably the best transition from song to song in the whole album. Straight up, it's the best. Because in regards to the fan saying the N-word on stage, he goes to to Kendrick having regret over that interaction and him having sleepless nights. And I rate this as in the art of the album because his restlessness is represented in literal grunts and like restless sleep. And I really felt that. And I felt that he was restless in this. And so this is combined with like an ethereal high-pitched vocals and just really works. Then he wakes up. And the beat drops. There's no fake out. It's just, and it just works so well. I, I'm so impressed with that. Like, I talk about album construction a lot, and I think this just represents how well it was done. Um, and yeah, it was just so good. But we get to the hook, and you know what? I like it. It sounds good. Um, but then we have this interlude from Sam Jew, who's back, and a bridge from Tana, and I'm like, fucking pick one. I don't need both. Seriously, just pick one. I don't need them. They don't. They both don't add anything to me. And Sam, I'm sorry, but if for me, you're out. And I feel kind of feel bad because he's not a bad artist. I just don't think it works in the songs. So 
Um, it's more of a reflection of like what I like than his ability. So I kind of feel bad for that in that sense, but I, not really because it's my opinion. Um, but I really like this last bit from Kendrick. Um, Tyler Perry, the face of a thousand rappers, using violence to cover what really happened. I know somebody's listening, past life regressions to know my conditionings. It's based off experience, comma for comma, my habits insertive, watching my cousin struggle with addiction, then watching her firstborn make a million and both of them off the grid for forgiveness. I'm sacrificing myself to start the healing. So, yeah, I I, I like that verse. And I didn't realize, but Tyler Perry actually went on Oprah and discussed his trauma with child abuse and it serves as a backdrop to the next track. So again, thematically, it's really linking up quite nicely, um, as well as the outro from Eckhart Tolle. Um, and it's another really nice transition where he says, people get taken over by this pain body because this energy field that almost has a life of its own, it needs to periodically f- feed on more unhappiness. So I think that he did a really good job. All right. Let's, we're going to delve into some deep shit into the next one, so prepare. Overall, I was tossing up five or four and a half stars because the interlude sucked, but it was so good, I'm going to give it five stars. I'm not confident it's going to stay that way, but I'm going to give it five stars. All right. Track 17, Mother I Sober. Six-minute track uh, featuring Beth Gibbons of Portishead. Um, and, yeah, Soundwave is back. Um, but yeah, six-minute track. This is a long one, and this feels like exactly what we've been building towards. Um, and I, I really like it. I'm just going to say straight out, I really like it. It's a piano. It's somber instrumental, kind of like what I think we expected in this. It's got a soft tone from Kendrick, and you know straight away he's going to talk about some shit. You just know straight away. Um, and he says straight away, you know, mother cried put their hands on her. It was family ties. I heard it all. I should have grabbed a gun, but I was only five, still feeling it, weighing on my heart, my first tough decision in the shadows clinging to my soul as my only critic. Where's my faith? Told you I was Christian, but just not today. They're really powerful lyrics, and you know I'm a big fan of what he did here. Um and to be honest, the more I listened to this and the more I started writing this review, the more I was like, you know, me talking about this song in particular and this stuff doesn't really do it justice in a way, but the imagery of a child hiding um, but feeling guilt um, is just so powerful. And in a way, this reminded me of a song, Flatbush Zombies, uh, Flatbush Zombies song, You and I, and the the lines delivered by Michi Darko where he said, when I was five, I told my mama wanted to die. Then we cried, the crazy shit, man. It wasn't a lie. I, just, I don't know. It just reminded me because of the, the age symmetry. But, you know, this song is extremely powerful um, in terms of what it does. Um, and, you know, because I, I, the weird thing is about this song is I don't have too much to say because it's all said within the track. Um, and the hook comes after the first verse and it just works. It has like a high pitch to it and it just adds this feeling of the song um, and it gives you like this chance to really take in Kendrick's lyrics and he did such a good job on this um, and 
there is a lot to digest in the second verse. Despite not being so long, he references his spirit guide, his grandmother, which he did in verse one. Um, his family's concerned with whether he was abused and also the reoccurring theme of shame and, and the lack of peace and witnessing what he did at five years old. There's just so much content in here and it's so rich in that sense. Um, and these lines stood out. Mother's brother said he got revenge from my mother's face. Black and blue, the image of my queen that I can't erase. Till this day, can't look her in the eyes. Pain is taken over. Blame myself. You never felt guilt till you felt it sober. You can feel the the grief. You can feel the self-criticism and the guilt for being unable to help his mother. And not only does did his mother hurt, but he's also hurt indirectly. And it almost points back to track five, Father Time, where he's scared of passing his trauma to his kids. And so this is really interesting because it took me a while to even realize this was here. And, and the symmetry in this is really cool. You know, the... The trauma in Father Time, his fear and the trauma he inherited from his other, you know, close family member, he, it feels like he's inherited trauma across the board. And I really didn't see the connection. I was literally, I wrote, damn, didn't see this connection till I wrote this, damn, twice. Um, and there's just so much here. Like, it is really difficult for me to really do it justice because I legitimately think the, the only way to understand this is to listen to it. Um, and I think it is extremely powerful. Um, and we see it again, the, 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 the tying up, it all comes together because he said at, at the end, um, you know, I think it's Whitney. We hear the Whitney character say, you did it. I'm proud of you. You broke a generational curse. And then she says to her daughter, say, thank you. Say, thank you, dad. And you hear this child's voice say, Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Mommy. Thank you, Brother, Mr. Morale. It almost brings you to tears. Like, it's so sad. It's so powerful. It's so moving. And I find it hard to critique this at all. I will say, though, that, that, that I said that, I will say, this again is not going to be in a playlist. This is an emotional song. It's heartfelt. It's six minutes. It really dives deep. You know, he talks about, rappers he talks about um so much and like i didn't even i haven't even talked about the third verse i already i just skipped ahead but like i wanted to read the the whole third verse because he killed it like he literally killed it um and i almost don't know like i said how to broach this it's like his discussion with his mother and his mother not believing he wasn't abused um his discussion with whitney about addiction and, you know, and that it was actually women that he was addicted to, even though he thought he was sober. And it links back to his sex addiction, his denial around it. And Whitney asked him about it and saying that he needs um, therapy. And then his revelation that there are so many other rappers who hide their trauma in chains and tattoos. Um, this is just unbelievably heartfelt. And at the end, he kind of frees everybody from their trauma. And it builds to it like it did in Auntie Diaries. It builds and it ends with an interlude um, from Sam Jew, who I've discussed a lot on this, but he does a really great job on this. It sounds really good. It's ethereal. It's angelic. It really works. It links back sonically to United in Grief. And those last lines of just like releasing trauma from everyone. So I set free the hearts filled with hatred, keep our bodies sacred, 
as I set free all you abusers, this is transformation. He's letting you let go of your trauma. He's letting you move on. He's giving you permission. And it's hard to give this anything other than five stars. He absolutely smashed this out of the park. That's facts. I I can't. I wouldn't agree with anything else. This is 100% five stars, track 17, and personally how I think he should have finished the album because this shit was so powerful. It just tied it up. Had he ended it here, I would have been really happy, especially because of, you know, he has the the son or, the, sorry, the daughter saying, thank you, daddy, and he, he lets you free. It's like a coming to realisation that he can move on from this. But instead, what we have is track 18, Mirror, produced by Soundwave again, who's in here, Tim Maxie, a bunch of others. And this shit has been an emotional roller coaster. And the last track, Mirror, he, he's choosing himself. And I guess this title makes sense in a way because he's looking in the mirror, he's choosing myself. There's no one else there. Like I didn't get it at first, but I think I do now. And the song, as I said, it makes me feel like we should have ended on Mother I Sober. He's back to sing-songy rapping, and contrary to most of his other track, I prefer the hook on this than the verses. And I get it. I get what he's trying to do. It's trying to be uplifting and a finish to the album where he chooses his own well-being. It's a good message and a good way to just end the song and what he wants to finish on. The bridge... I mean, I've spoken about bridges before. The bridge leaves a little to be desired, um, but I think this line is particularly interesting. Maybe it's time to break it off, run away from the culture to follow my heart. I think this links back to what he said before, will he quit hip-hop? I don't think he will. Um, I mean, I doubt it. It definitely seems he's... But I will say he's. it definitely seems this album was exhausting, and I get it because he was dealing with a lot. It's a long period of time. I'm exhausted talking about it. I'm exhausted listening to it. And I really felt the emotional roller coaster. Um, but no, I don't think he'll quit hip hop, as I said before. I mean, I'm just skipping, skimming through this because I think this is an afterthought track to me. Um, I gave it two and a half stars. I mean, I, I, I can't get mad at him. This is his vision. He already said he's sorry. He's choosing himself. So <laughs> I guess, I guess that makes sense. But yeah, two and a half stars for that. Um, but overall, this this piece is an absolute experience. Um, yeah, it's an absolute experience, one hundred percent. Like this this whole thing was just interesting for me to listen to, to appreciate. Took me a while. Like I said, four listens. I've gone back and forth on some of the tracks, um, but I think this the attempt here or what the vision here was make it like a movie or a, a really big piece of work. And I think he did that um, in terms of his construction, in terms of what he did um, and the way he built it and the way he interlinked all the songs. Do I think this will stand the test of time as a classic album? I actually don't think so. Um, I'm probably, I don't know, a lot of people love this. I've, I already know they will love it. Um, and I already know that they do, but for me personally, there's a few things that are left to be desired. Um, but yeah, I think disc two as well was a stronger disc than disc one. Um, I think he, he just missed the mark on a couple of tracks. Um, and at first I gave this album, 
uh, I think it was like three, three and a half stars around that mark. And I will say um, I'm going to give it four stars. My Out of my scoring, it, it reached about a 3.7 average if you calculate all my scores, um, I believe. Um, and then I gave moved it to four based on album construction. So I think it's a four four-star album. You know, I'll probably toss up between three and a half to four stars, which is probably why I rated it the way I did. Um, but I'll give it four stars for now. I definitely recommend checking it out. And it does take time to appreciate, which I personally found out. Um, in terms of my favorite track, I really couldn't decide. Um, but I think Mother I Sober is the best track um, just because of what it does and what it stands for and the emotional and, and just the delivery on it. Again, it won't fit into a, a playlist, but I think, you know, for what it did, it was really good. Father Time was also awesome. Um, we Cried Together was great. There were a lot of good tracks here, but there were some shit tracks here as well. Um, and I got to say my favorite instrumental was uh, Crown, followed by Mr. Morale. Um, I think really great job on there, but yeah. This was an interesting album. Um, I hope you liked my review. Let me know your thoughts. I'm always interested to know the fans' thoughts on what you think. Um, if you disagree with me, uh, let me know. Um, but, yeah, I hope you enjoyed. Um, I look forward to doing more of these. If you want to hear particular albums, let me know. But, um, yeah, this was fun. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for upcoming podcast news also don't forget to check out my patreon under hip hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show bye for now